Hi, and welcome to the Green with Tiffany podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany Page. And in this show, we'll explore topics of sustainable living, all aspects of health and wellness of people and planet, and how we're all interconnected. Join us on this journey to live better and more sustainably by improving our health, our families, and the world with the choices that we make. Did you know that a study found that we consume 2,000 tiny pieces of plastic each week? That's unbelievable. It's an estimate that it's five grams of plastic equivalent to the weight of an average credit card. What? Can you believe we're ingesting that? Little tiny pieces of microplastics. Whoa. Hey everyone, it's the Green with Tiffany Choose to Care podcast. So happy you're listening. It's Plastic Free July. I know it has a ring to it, right? Not really, but it is a thing. And I was surprised at how many people in the world of being plastic free didn't really know about it. So I just wanted to bring attention and awareness to it. And that's what it was meant to do when it was created. It's a global movement and it helps millions of people be part of the solution to plastic pollution. So actually there's a website. It's a nonprofit. If you go to plasticfreejuly.org, you can find out a lot of information. You can take a challenge about being plastic free or use less plastic. And what's on the heels of Plastic Free July happening right now is a global plastics treaty that is being presented. So I think they just met in France recently. And now uh, in November, they'll have a treaty drafted for 170 countries that are on board to do a global plastics treaty that is very needed. That's going to be no easy task for sure. If you think about Every country's different, right? I mean, the U.S. here, at least if we wanted to do something more, we could. We just need more infrastructure. We need more solutions. We need companies on board to be responsible for what they produce. But smaller countries, countries that produce a lot of plastic, like in Indonesia, or islands that just dump their trash and waste and plastic into the ocean, everybody's going to have a different need. So they have their work cut out for them, but we definitely need some kind of guidelines, right? You know, and there are people that ask if these polluters should have a seat at the table. And, you know, the problem is, is when they do, they tend to listen in and find out what everybody's fears and concerns are. And then they turn it around and make it sound like they're addressing it with a solution when in actuality, they're just finding a way to lobby for regulation that doesn't really restrict their business. When there was a plastic bag ban, the single-use plastic bags, it was then somehow a loophole because a single-use plastic bag that kind of starts to fall apart right away, that's what was banned. And now some companies brought in, like Target, brought in a thicker plastic bag that's technically can be reused. And so now it's you know, it's found its way. So I find that when they're involved, I just don't know if they should be. I mean, I think the plastics industry's involvement in these negotiations really should be minor because they have a vested interest. And I don't know that they really want to change. And they, they might have solutions because they're in that business, but I'm not sure I trust it. I'm not sure if they want solutions. And really, there's a focus on waste management which means if you can just keep producing the amount that we're producing and then we just have to find a way to, you know, recycle it better or take care of the waste better. But 
my thoughts are you really have to turn it off at some point. The bathtub is overflowing of plastic and we can only recycle so much. And at the rate we're doing it, we really, we really need to find a way, another way in addition to recycling or wish cycling as sometimes it's called. You know, you put it in the recycle bin and you wish and hope that it gets recycled, but most of the time it's not. It's only, you know, one to three percent that is actually getting recycled. And I think we have this idea that, for instance, a plastic water bottle, and I'm speaking mostly about single-use plastics, a plastic water bottle can become another plastic water bottle, but it can't. It is downgraded. It needs to be, you know, like a park bench or insulation or something else. It can't become the same thing that it was. For instance, glass can be constantly recycled, aluminum, but plastic's different. So this treaty really should be about consumption and reduction and disposal. It's really about all of these these areas need to be addressed. It's not just about the waste. I know it's not really a sexy topic and people that aren't into it don't really want to talk about it because everybody wants to have everything convenient and easy. I get that. But since 4th of July just happened, did you happen to see any photos or any news stories about the waste that was left behind on beaches? It, some of those pictures were really heartbreaking that we just leave our waste behind. And that's just one way that waste gets into our oceans, but it's everywhere now. We have plastic in every crevice of our planet. It really is everywhere. It's in our waterways. It's in our oceans, rivers. It's in our food, our air, our water, our bodies. They have found now, you know, we're talking about how we are eating the plastic. It's found in um, our poop, newborn's placenta. I mean, this is not good. We really need to be doing something more about this. And the plastic consumption... The production is on course to double by 2050. And our global production right now in the U.S. is 400 million metric tons. We already produce so much plastic. I can't even imagine doubling that. There's also rising water bottle consumption because we're polluting our water so much. On the heels of COVID, if you think about all the plastic that really came to be, allowing people to feel more safe, with plastic packaging, with our masks. We've just created so much more waste and it's just not sustainable. I mean, I know you've heard the, the statistic that plastic will outweigh fish in the sea by 2050. What? We, that's, in, that's, that's a scary thought, a really scary thought. 11 million metric tons of plastic goes into our oceans and that is equivalent to one garbage truck a minute. One garbage truck a minute. I, I just, these numbers are just so hard to wrap your mind around, right? And now we have additional like microfibers from clothing. So one load of laundry of your clothing could could produce hundreds of thousands of microfibers that are released from one load. And so now there's talk about having your washing machine be able to capture that microfiber. And I think France might be the first country to have this new machine. And hopefully that is something that works. But first and foremost, plastic is is oil, is made from petroleum, fossil fuels. And so another aspect that comes into play is that, you know, with the push for electric vehicles, 
and many more people jumping on board, there's less fuel being used, less filling of the tanks with gas, right? So these companies still want to survive. So plastic is where it's at. It's hard to believe that there would even be a new manufacturing plant that could open, but there has. And Shell has opened a new plant last late last year. And they are estimated to produce 1.6 million metric tons of polyethylene pellets. Those are actually these little nurdles or like teeny little beads, and they're used to create all the products. And so there's an enormous plant outside of Pittsburgh that is open to do this. So plastics are on the rise, and that means they're going to be on the rise everywhere else as well, the plastic pollution that's left behind. I mean, it's already found in our blood, breast milk, placentas, and now there was a study about it could be found in our brains. And the crazy part is, this is self-inflicted. We're producing it, we're creating the problem, and that means we can create the solution. And so I don't want to be so doomsday. I really want to make this about what we can do because there's a lot of greenwashing out there, which is when companies give this misleading information or basically straight out lie about the products, about their effects or the benefits towards the environment. I mean, it's really shocking that they're able to do that. But, you know, 40% of Americans can't even recycle as easily as they can just throw something away. So even though recycling currently is the last best effort because less than 9% of our plastic waste is recycled. We just create so much of it that I don't even know if we had full recycling, if that would be the answer either. I think it's going to be multiple things, right? We need multiple solutions all at once. You always hear about refuse, reduce, reuse, recycle, repair. You know, that's our mantra. But what does that really mean? How many people are really doing that? And what is it that we can do as a culture, as a society to make a change, make a difference? We, we can do it. I definitely believe in we the people. And we've done it with things like plastic straws, where now instead of straws just being given, you know, many times you have to ask for them. Something that new that took place is in our food, our foodware. So when we order takeout, it's just not always assumed that we need you know, the plastic utensils, we have to ask for them. I still get them in some of my, when I do to go, I do sometimes get it still. But I think because they're compostable, they think it's okay. But really, you should just ask because, you know, is it being com composted? Because on a whole separate note, compostables, all, although a great idea, we don't have industrial compost to do plastics. So here in Los Angeles, and I think actually California, We've introduced our compost waste to be part of our yard trimmings, uh, the green bin. The green bin is now can be our compost bin, and we can put in quite a few items to go with our yard trimmings that can be composted. So that's super exciting, and I've been doing that. So no plastics of any kind are allowed in that bin. It's only going to be food waste that you can put in there. I think pizza boxes like can be put in there, but no no compostable plastics. So then what happens is those plastics end up in the recycling bin, but they can't be recycled. And then they get mixed with actual recyclables and then the whole bin gets thrown away. So over the weekend, I went to 
a SailGP event. It's a global sailing league, and they have these high-performance 50-foot foiling catamarans, and the teams compete, and they really want to be the most sustainable sport in the world. And it's very exciting. So we were in the Adrenaline Lounge, you know, with a lot of people were in there and there was no plastic, no plastic in sight, not a water bottle, not a plate, even the little skewers, like a toothpick type of skewer was a metal skewer reusable. And they served vegetarian and vegan food and everything was on plates and reusable. And now I know that's not an easy thing to do, especially, you know, it's a tent that's built. So where are you washing these dishes? How do you know how many you need with attendance and how many plates you're going to go through? So it's definitely something that you have to think through, but it shows that it can be done. And if you're committed to doing it, it just becomes the fabric of your, of your business. And they have really implemented purpose and impact in their strategy. And I was just so impressed. They, they took me around and showed me everything. So that'll be another talk, but it's just to let you know that it can be done. So there's all these little nuances of of ways to navigate through plastic pollution and what to do with it and how to actually properly dispose of it. And we've got our work cut out for us with it, right? So we made it through July 4th, and that's really a good place to check in and, and see where where we can make changes as the summer continues. What did we do for 4th of July? Did we do reusables? Did we use disposables? I know it's always easier to do disposables, but it does play a role. And then it continues on throughout the rest of the summer. Probably a lot of people having barbecues here in Los Angeles. We had some good weather finally. And so reusables would be great, but I know disposables are more popular. So people love to just have a paper plate, disposable utensils, makes it easy. Do you know, there's a 1955 Life magazine cover photo. It's titled Throwaway Living. And it's a picture of a family throwing their disposables up in the air. And think about back then how exciting that must have been. I mean, for a homemaker to have to do the dishes, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, wash them by hand. It really wasn't mainstream yet to have a dishwasher in every household. And so for disposables to come out, wow, that must have been great. It's still great for people today, right? They don't want to do dishes. They're tired. They just get all the paper plates. I mean, now a lot of them are paper, luckily, but there's also the polystyrene, the styrofoam plates that are out there, which are also equally detrimental to our environment. I love seeing people getting involved and talking about quitting plastic or how they're cutting back because it definitely is a topic of conversation more these days and more people are involved. And I love to hear that, but it's really the same items that are the culprits, the ubiquitous items that we use for a very short time. You know, 40% of our plastic pollution here is single use. And what is single use? So it's the water bottles, the bags when you buy something and you get your goods in a in a plastic bag, your to-go containers, the utensils that they give you, straws, all those things that we use for a very short time. If we could make a change with that, if we could cut back on our use of that, 
That would be huge. Then you can move forward with other items. I mean, then you're looking at in your bathroom, your shampoo bottles, your deodorant, your toothpaste. There's all of those things that have plastic. But what I want to focus on are some easy shifts that people can do that we're still looking to do. But it's hard because, you know, you can buy a pallet of plastic water bottles from Costco and it's wrapped in plastic. It's like double whammy on the plastic. And that's just what you're you're using. You grab a plastic water bottle every day and you're on your way. Now I know more people are using reusables. And then you have to think about the water. Are you filtering your water? I have a delivery of bottled water. So I get a, a five gallon uh, jug and I also have a two and a half gallon jug delivered. And then I refill my bottles. So back in 2014, I went on a plastic pollution research expedition. And we went from Bermuda to Iceland. So that's like over 3000 nautical miles. And we put these trawls out in the water to collect water samples, 32 samples. So because that was uncharted territory, that was the final place to research that was able to deliver a paper that brought to light that over 5 trillion particles of plastic smog was floating in our oceans. And now, less than 10 years later, that number is 170 trillion pieces. That's just unbelievable. But there is hope because we were able to make changes, make differences. The microbeads ban that went into place in 2015 for the Microbeads Free Waters Act, that was a huge win. And the microbeads, those are the little beads that were in our facial scrubs and our toothpaste. That's a really big deal. So that's why I say if we get together, we the people can really make a difference. And even though I know it should be more of the producers that create all this plastic should be held responsible, currently it's not the case. So what can we do? How can we the people be involved? Well, you can get involved with demanding this global plastics treaty. And I'll put a link in the show notes about that depending on where you are. Now, Los Angeles, it's taken a while, but a lot of the places, if you go out to eat, if you take your food to go, they use cardboard instead of plastic. But sometimes that cardboard's still lined in plastic, although I haven't seen that quite as much. It's definitely been more paper. But there's still places that use styrofoam. I don't know how they get around it, but they do. And you could talk to your restaurant and ask them if they could use something more earth-friendly. There is Amazon. I think by the time this goes up, we'll have missed Prime Day, which is uh, the abundance of shopping. But there is frustration-free packaging. And apparently they've had this in place for a long time, and I did not know that. So you can definitely contact Amazon. They're doing cardboard boxes that have less thickness to them, so less cardboard, I guess. They're shipping a little bit more in the actual original packaging versus putting that item in a box. So I guess that's the frustration-free packaging. So I saw a TikTok video recently, and this gentleman was speaking about how, you know, he's not allowed to use plastic bags when he takes his groceries, but then he showed all the items that he purchased. And you know, it was either plastic soda and then it was some cheese wrapped in plastic and everything he picked up that he purchased was in plastic. And yet he couldn't use a plastic bag. And now he had to actually buy plastic garbage bags because he wasn't able to 
get a plastic bag from the store that he could then reuse. And I get that. I could see that's frustrating. But we have to start somewhere. And that's such an easy swap, the single-use bag that you get from the grocery store. And many times they're not very sturdy and can't really be used for trash bags, as he was saying. But I get it. I get people using a reusable straw while they're holding their their plastic iced latte or something. So I, I get it. It reminds me of when people, you know, go and have a, you know, McDonald's, but they get a Diet Coke. It's kind of that situation, right? But like I said, we do need to start somewhere. And these movements are grassroots movements that help move the needle. And yeah, those companies that are wrapping the water bottles, wrapping their cheese in plastic. Yeah. Do we need another material? We do, but we don't have one yet, unfortunately. So I say we have to start somewhere. But if more people reached out to ask for that, they would have to do it because we vote with our dollar. And so when our dollars don't go to support plastic, it will shift. But it's something that we have to be mindful of. And it's something they have to think about all the time, which is not always fun for people. I get it. But just start with the single use things, right? The water bottles, that would be huge. If everybody just didn't use plastic water bottles, think about what a difference that would make if you could just refill your reusable. So I had someone come to my door and I don't know what he was selling, but he asked if he could leave with a water bottle. And I said, I didn't have a water bottle. And he was stunned, right? Because it's so the normal to have water bottles to just use and take with you. And I don't have them in my house. So I gave him a, a cup of water instead and he was fine. I think he was just sort of surprised. And so that's part of the the normal, The one of the nonprofits I work with as well, Habits of Waste. So you're, what are your habits of waste? And something so easy is knowing that you can always grab a water bottle. So he probably learned something that day realizing, oh, wow, she doesn't have water bottles. So it's to create a new way of thinking for the plastic that you consume. Bags, single-use plastic bags, you know, and then everything has a gray area. So if you forget your bags, your reusable bags, then what do you do? Do you buy a reusable bag that's there that they sell? But then the amount of energy that's used to create that reusable bag, is that better than using the single-use plastic bag. But I guess if your goal is to use no plastic, although that reusable bag is probably made out of plastic. So a little bit of gray area, right? So what I do is I just put the groceries back in the basket, wheel them out to my car, and then load them there. Or I I usually don't forget these days, though. I mean, I, I pretty much use it all the time. And during COVID, you weren't able to use your reusables. So I ended up having a lot of paper bags. And so I just reuse those paper bags, just bring them back and have them reload those. And those somehow I, I forget those less than I do reusables. Odd, right? <laughs> food containers. Do you know when I travel and I want to take food to go, I always ask what is the to-go container? And if it's plastic or styrofoam, I'll ask them if they have something else like a piece of aluminum foil, because at least I can clean that and recycle it. I used to bring my own containers with me, but I haven't done that lately. I don't go out as much to eat as I used to. But definitely, then you can inquire, you can ask the restaurant if they could do something different. 
So some of the nonprofits that I follow, there's here, well, they're local here in Los Angeles, but there's Five Gyres and they are really about the science of plastic and they've done a lot to help move the needle on plastic pollution. They're also the ones that I took the research expedition with and they have a plastics-free parks project and they released the items, the top 10 items that were found in the parks as they did cleanups. And number 10 was wipes. I can definitely see how that grew. Number nine, lids. Eight, straws. Seven, cups. Six, metal bottles and cans. Five, textiles. Four, bottle caps. Three, plastic bottles. Number two, food wrappers. And number one, you guess it? Cigarette butts. Yes. So I know that there is talk about having plastic-free parks, which would be really great. You know, I think we think that we can clean our way out of plastic pollution, but it really is a crisis that we need a solution for. And I don't think we can clean our way out of it. I don't think it's about doubling the amount of plastic production and then recycling more and then vacuuming up the ocean and then finding ways to fix what we've created. Do you know, even if you do alternative plastics, right, everybody's looking for a new material and a lot of them are plant-based, which means that we have to grow, we have to grow food, use the soil, use water. You know, I think there's all these little gray areas and I don't, I don't have the solution. The solution is using less, not always easy to do. But if we're growing corn, say, and is it GMO corn, are we growing corn, using all the land and resources for that to then create a plastic-like material, again, that we're going to use for a very short amount of time and then throw away? So that's a tough call. And then, like I said, if it's one of those bioplastics that's compostable, then it goes into, people put it in the recycling bin and it's not recyclable. And then people put it in the yard bin if that goes nationwide and it's not compostable in that way. So that's a tough call. So we're going to go back to our refuse, reduce, reuse, then recycle. There's also repair. But I know we have to do something. And so I guess I'm just asking, I'm putting the options out there for people. So we hope to have a strong global plastics treaty with 170 countries involved. We really need to cap the plastic production. Instead of ramping it up, it needs to be different than what we're doing. Definitely not ramping it up. Hold the producers who make it responsible. Why are, if they had to be responsible for taking this plastic back, do you think they'd make as much? Do you think they'd find other ways? Would they be more inventive on what they produced? They might be. Well, I want everyone to have a really fun summer. I hope this wasn't too doomsday because I do think we created it. We can fix it, but we just have to all want to do it. And I think if we, the people, get together to try to make the solution happen, the others will have to follow. The companies will have to follow. The fossil fuel companies will have to follow. But we have to be the outcry. We have to be the ones that, well, for them, it's voting with our dollars, not buying it. And I know it's easy to just grab that water bottle, grab that soda. The amount of pollution that it causes is huge. It never goes away. Plastic never goes away. It just breaks down into little microplastics and little pieces. Plastic is everywhere, y'all. 
And we have to find a way to curb our plastic consumption because it's consuming us. We don't want to be like Wally. You ever see that movie? That's where we're headed. So have a great summer. Reusables, reusables. That's your best way to go. And you can still have fun. I love a good reusable. And if you want to get involved, fivegyres.org is a great nonprofit. Habitsofwaste.org is a great resource as well. If you're here locally and you want to do beach cleanups, there's Heal the Bay, PlasticFreeJuly.org, great information, and I'll have more coming to you. But I just wanted to get on board early enough that you can help make your way through summer using more reusables and less disposables. So thanks for listening and please rate, review, share. Thanks for listening to the Green with Tiffany Choose to Care podcast. Happy summer. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share on Apple Podcasts. It would mean the world to me. You can find me at greenwithtiffany.com and on Instagram. Till next time, choose to care.